Welcome to the Boys in the Iceberg, the podcast where we recap Avatar The Last Airbender episode by episode for fans new and old. I'm your host, John Listman, immigration attorney by day, stand-up comic by night, airbender at heart, and I'm joined as always by my co-host. I'm Jeff Miller, TV writer, avid mind wanderer, and aspiring waterbender. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing great, John. Yeah, dude, I'm really excited, man. This is one of the uh, great, great episodes of this show. Uh, Today we will be discussing book one, episode 18, The Waterbending Master. Uh, More like The Waterbending Bastard, am I right? right. More on that later. Um, But in this episode, the group finally arrives at the Northern Water Tribe. The chief of the tribe warmly welcomes them by throwing them a huge party in celebration of the Avatar's arrival. Sokka meets Princess Yue, with whom he's immediately smitten. Aang and Katara seek to learn waterbending from a master named Paku, but he will only teach Aang, refusing to teach Katara due to his tribe's archaic and sexist customs. When Master Paku discovers Aang trying to teach Katara what he's learned in secret, he considers it an insult and dismisses Aang as his student unless Katara apologizes. Refusing to give in, Katara challenges Paku to a fight. Though she loses, Katara proves herself a deservingly talented waterbender, and Paku discovers she's the granddaughter of the woman Paku was supposed to marry. He decides to teach her as well as take Aang back as his student. Meanwhile, Admiral Zhao hires pirates to assassinate Zuko. Zuko survives, and with Uncle Iroh keeping his presence a secret, stows away aboard Zhao's ship as the Admiral readies for a massive attack on the North Pole. Bro, just that synopsis. I, 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 it's, it's, it's insane. We're going to have, uh, this might be our longest episode yet. Let's see. This, uh, this, this synopsis was not covering a two or three part episode. This synopsis covers one 22 minute episode of television. Unbelievable. Holy cow. And it's not, it's not too much at all. Not at all. Um, take it to the top. As Appa yeah. casually flies above the ocean's surface with Team Avatar on his back. Sokka complains that Appa's flying too slowly. Aang, irritated, replies that they should all climb on Sokka's back so he could fly them to the North Pole. Katara tries to defuse the tension, remarking that they are a little tired and cranky, owing to the fact that they have been flying for two straight days. As Sokka continues voicing his doubts about even finding the Northern Water Tribe, a group of waterbenders appear out of nowhere and ensnare Appa. Katara enthusiastically realizes they've found the Northern Water Tribe. At last, Hefe, we've made it from uh, humble beginnings in the iceberg all the way to the uh, Northern Water Tribe. On the one hand, as far as anyone's concerned right now, their Northern Water Tribe may very well still be just a myth. another kind of scattered group of waterbenders who don't really have a central hub because we're just encountering them in the middle. That being said, it's also an indication of a very well-maneuvered and strategically placed military, you know, safeguarding presence that they were able to so efficiently and cohesively snag them. And Absolutely. also, yeah, Sokka, you try flying every all around the I world mean, on your back. Sokka, 
you're on a bison flying in the sky. Why are you so jaded? Okay, can you just take in the magic for a moment? Like literally everybody else on this planet has to travel either on foot or by horseback. They've only just one person has invented air travel. Yes. <laughs> so unless you've got a glider like those other folk, you're you're huffing it. You've you've got it pretty good, Sokka. Yeah, Sokka. What do you, you want to walk on ice? All right. I know you're you're a water native of the south, but uh, let's 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 yeah. chill. Well, I guess boat also, but still, yeah. True, fine. true. Um, and also, I think it was very important to illustrate that uh, Appa is tired from days and days of travel because only by his uh, tiredness is he hovering low enough to the ground that they can ensnare him. Mm-hmm. And uh, a bit on this word ensnare. Okay, this is a. Uh, a feat of water bending engineering to be able to uh, surround something flying low to the ground and uh, water bend ice, you know, to, to basically trap it down. Like you froze him, you created an iceberg around him and locked him in it at the top. In no way do I want to give any credit to that flaming trash pile of a, of a movie done by he who shall not be named. Uh, um, but uh, I think maybe what they thought they might be trying to do at first with their terrible rendition of live action water bending and earth bending and all bending um, was give an idea of, you know, when you're watching other people do it, sometimes you can get a sense of it being not that hard. Um, and I think they're trying to show just how much technique and ability is involved in even the littlest thing. And that's why those who are so good at it really are so good, almost like comparing a professional golfer to somebody on the driving range. Um, and, uh, they did terribly at it because they never bothered to show any progression in those techniques or any sort of different scale. Uh, you know, it's all the same slow, terrible thing. But here, I think you're right. Like what you're saying about the way that they captured Appa, it's not an e- easy thing. Yeah, it's hard. These aren't just pros. All right. I dare say these yeah. are the best waterbenders in the world. Uh, yeah. this is the try. Cora. There are no pros yet. Well, <laughs> At this time, okay. Um, certainly, okay, they fended off the Fire Nation for a hundred years. It speaks volume as to their strength and uh, the level of skill that uh, these benders have, whether or not, uh, I mean, shoot, dude, they could have really maybe caught off a few feet higher if, if needed be. Uh, yeah, not only that, but they've caught them and they are surrounded by absolutely nothing but water, so... yeah. It really begs the question, too. I mean, these guys are strategically placed out there. You don't, you know, you'd think at most places you'd at least see land in the distance. Mm -hmm. Anything, you know, a terrain of mountains, but you're not seeing anything but ocean. And all of a sudden you're getting happened upon by, you know, a bunch of these guys. So it's it's cool. It's it's, uh, it's impressive Mm -hmm. already. Okay. Real quick. Uh, the opening shot of this episode. Uh, before we zoom in on Appa, it's kind of cameras looking on the ground or the water, and we see a koala otter, which I just thought was one of the best hybrid animals uh, we've seen yet. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Really, oh, yeah. Um, adorable as can be, and uh, I, I could have seen some more of them just in the canals of the oh, yeah. northern water tribe, but uh, maybe I think it's more. just symbolism. You know, they're, yeah. they're, they're, they're letting you know that this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> exactly. And uh, indeed it is. At, uh, meanwhile, at a Fire Nation Navy base, Admiral Zhao holds a meeting where 
So he surmises that Avatar is traveling north to the Water Tribe in search of a waterbending master. A lower-ranking captain remarks eagerly they should hurry up and go, but Zhao rejects the suggestion, stating the Northern Water Tribe is a powerful nation, well protected by their settlement and the inhospitable cold of the tundra. Undertaking such an endeavor will need a huge invasion force. All right. Uh, Zhao's in the mix here. What a... This is a a different side of Zhao. You know, we've Mm -hmm. seen the overbearing, intimidating, full of himself presence, the guy who just expects everything to be handed to him and who somehow has that happen, despite not really doing very well each time he's put upon to do a task. Um, And here, for the first time, you're seeing some, you know, calmness, some strategy, some respect being shown and and, an admiration and appreciation of, you know, the opposing side Mm -hmm. and not just bullying in and be and and assuming well we're the fire nation we're going to get you no matter what but actually showing some reverence even for this for this uh northern water tribe and uh it's it's interesting you know we'll find out later that there's a reason for a lot of this but Mm -hmm. it's it's nice to see in this moment he's actually acting like an admiral should indeed um you know kind of Throughout this whole show, we've seen him just chase uh, Zuko and Aang, you know, sometimes at the same time. And uh, it's kind of been referred to as his vanity project. You know, it's just kind of a, ooh, let me capture this for my own ego and uh, pride. But uh, no, dude, now you're not on a little expedition to hunt someone. You're invading. You're, you're, you're mounting a massive attack here, and it, it's going to take all your cunning and all your strategies. It's a new Zhao, completely. That's, you know what, you, you hit on something too with that invasion aspect. They've wiped out the air nomads for the most, you know, they're, they're, they're gone. So really, there's four nations, one's gone, so it's, it's, it's one against two here, and we know that the Southern Water Tribe, for all intents and purposes, is, is Katara, Sokka, their grandmother, and then a bunch of kids. Yeah. And, you know, we're just now... Oh, and we know that there's at least Bato and Hakoda out there with, with a bunch of Water Nation soldiers, you know, sure. manning the waters. But um, we've really just seen a lot of scattered Earth Kingdom settlements. We know about a couple cities. Um, but we really don't know what, a th- what, what sort of a threat the, the, the Water Tribe still poses, if any, to the Fire Nations. You know, like, they're... The war, they're not, no one's ever said the war's over. They're saying that there's still a war going on. So they don't consider themselves having won anything yet. Um, This is more than just a vanity project of capturing the Avatar. You know, we're going to find going to this place to get him is a major military maneuver. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not just about capturing the Avatar here. This is another, like he's saying, they've survived this war for 100 years. This is a huge glaring you know, elephant in the room for the Fire Nation in terms of their wanting to dominate and take over the whole world. You can't do that unless you also take care of the Northern and Southern Water Tribes. Absolutely. I also, um, early on in this meeting that Zhao holds, there's this uh, realization, oh, he's going to the Northern Water Tribe. Um, I mean, listen, you've been chasing this guy for what? 16, 17 episodes now. Uh, the direction has been largely north the entire time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, they're just now putting two and two together that he's like, that's, that's a good master. Point, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the party, Zhao. Zhao, please. Where's you been? Don't you uh, – the Pirates probably knew before Zhao. I mean, think about it. They, they're the ones that uh, – with the scroll. I mean, they, they might have pieced it together. Because why else were the Pirates so far up north? That's, that's another conversation I want okay, to talk we'll, about. Okay, we'll talk we about that, that when yeah. we get there. But, uh, but yeah, come on, Zhao. You're, you're a little you, – you can pick up the pace here. Um, but anyway, we'll get more on that very soon. Uh, inside the Northern Water Tribe, the tribesmen escort Appa and his passengers into the city, uh, protected on all sides by towering walls of ice. Waterbenders have to melt portions of the wall to allow entrance, as they are transported through the canals of the city to the delight and waves of its citizens. Saka is entranced by a beautiful young woman passing on a boat. And he goes as far as to jump out onto Appa's tail to get another glimpse of her. As Katara remarks about the beauty of the surrounding city, Sokka murmurs, yeah, she is. Um, indeed she is. But uh, all right, let's just, the entrance to the city. Okay. Oh my God. Oh my God. Dude, dude, just like, um, see, interesting. I, you, uh, did they melt the water? Okay, as is suggested in the description. Or did they create a uh, system of channels and canals? <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's waterbending engineering here. What, both. It, is it, both. I mean, yeah, it's kind of both, but uh, right. Because they can always freeze the water uh, in the, I'm not, I don't know canal terms, but like the pools of water right. have to go up and down and hold water. Uh, could very well have that water be frozen and then melted. Uh, okay, truly a feat of engineering. If we could harness this technology, oh my gosh, uh, we could build an ice bridge in Antarctica. I mean, I, I don't know. It's, do it's it's unbelievable though when you think about it. Like, yes, fire is very important for like soldering and mm -hmm. things like that. But uh, you know, when you think about architecture and structural integrity, it's the the water and earth kingdoms have earth nations have so much of an advantage over the fire nation. And we're seeing here, you know, I thought of it as though by freezing, by, by, by using water in all its forms as ice and, you know, water, not all its forms, um, they're able to manipulate their entrance ways and their, their, their protective walling the same way earthbenders do with their cities. Yeah. Um, and like we've seen before, you know, it's another just these nations, you have to be a skilled bender to even enter and exit. Sure. Um, so the security is impressive. And then that whole entrance is amazing. Those walls of ice, you and I were talking before the episode, you know, they were just surrounded by nothingness. Are those advanced scouts just really far away? Because when you then see them entering, you, you can assume they've already been traveling a little bit. And then you see these towering ice walls and a small, lower, seemingly small because of the, the, the POV wall between them. Mm -hmm. And from far away, it might just look like a giant ice cliff. Oh, um, or, or is it hidden in, you know, water bent mist or, or, or what? But it's just really. Um, I mean, ice cliff. Yeah, I, I, I am of, I'm of the ice mountain, uh, ice cliff, iceberg uh, mm -hmm. school of thought. Because uh, when they carve out a bend out a temporary tunnel i mean you just see the depth of this hunk of ice just really uh protecting the city and its inhabitants it's really uh 
it's like a tunnel through a mountain. It's, it's just super impressive. And uh, yeah, lots of impressive and things then... to see inside, uh, including young Princess Yue. Okay, Sokka. The, the, the greatest, <laughs> one of my favorite love stories ever told yes. in television. It's a beautiful one. Truly, um, truly. And it starts off just, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see it again, but, but the amount of meet-cutes between Sokka and Yue in one episode of television is, is, pretty, <laughs> is pretty great. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, I mean, should we talk about Yue? Or wait a minute. Uh, well, we can wait a minute, but yeah. it's, it's just, I, 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 don't, I don't blame you, Sokka. I think yeah. most, most uh, young guys who see a girl their age who looks like that are going to stop and if be frozen you, uh, in love. Yeah, I think uh, UA might be more worth your time than Aang right now. I mean, this is a... Uh, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll come back on UA. In the meantime, the uh, later that night, the Chief Arnook is hosting a feast in honor of Team Avatar's arrival at the Great Palace of the Northern Water Tribe. Sokka and Katara are celebrated as family from the Southern Water Tribe, Aang as the Avatar. Also being celebrated is the Chief's daughter, UA, who has turned 16 and is now of marrying age. We recognize her as the girl in the boat Sokka fell for. She thanks her father and says a small prayer. At the feast, waterbending master Paku and his students perform elaborate entertainment for those assembled, which delights Aang and Katara. Sokka is far more interested in the food at the banquet and Yue, who's sitting next to him. Their mutual introduction is followed by a long and awkward silence, broken by Sokka, claiming to be a prince of sorts in the Southern Water Tribe. An amused Katara mocks him, asking him what exactly he's the prince of, to which he embarrassingly replies that he's the prince of a lot of things. And uh, he tries to show Katara, shoo Katara away, and she replies sarcastically, my apologies, Prince Sokka. He tells Yue that he will be in town for a while and awkwardly asks if she would like to do an activity with him. Uh, when she laughs at the line, he abandons the conversation and stops his faith full of food. After the performance, Arnuk introduces Aang to Master Paku. Master Paku tells Aang that he will receive no special treatment for being the Avatar. Aang expresses that he and his friends are looking to learn waterbending from him. After he relaxes a little, Paku replies bluntly that Aang should go to the tropics if he wishes to relax. Otherwise, he will be ready at sunrise the next day. Okay, massive feast. So some very key networking and uh, interactions happening here. Uh, yeah. Let's just take it to, to the feast. The, the fact that we're experiencing water bending culture in all its glory. Um, again, surely uh, we saw some cultural heritage and uh, rituals back at Southern Water Tribe, but now we're looking at a thriving kingdom. Uh, and among these many, many... Uh, spectacles we we have the announcement of ua at marrying age and this incredible feat of water bending by paku and his students yeah it's it's like uh you know in the in the 19th century going from you know a rustic little you know frontier settlement and then showing up in a major city like in new york or something i mean mm. the, the difference between the southern water tribe and the Northern Water Tribe is a great one. Mm -hmm. um, this feast is is really impressive. Um, when they pulled that thing out of the water, I didn't know if that was like a massive thing of sea prunes or what. Yeah. Um, but 
you know, it's funny because Sokka already loves food and just knowing how much he misses this kind of food and food in general and seeing him stuff his face, that must have been one of the greatest nights of his life. I mean, he's mm. next to a beautiful girl that he's smitten with. He's got a plate of wonderful food. He's with Aang and Katara, surrounded by waterbenders. I mean, what a magical moment. Yeah. Yo, additionally, Sokka and Katara are being celebrated, okay? They're yeah. honored guests. They are like, not royalty, but certainly like important ambassadors of the Southern Water Tribe. Well, Sokka may be a prince. There's a prince of <laughs> uh, But uh, yeah, I mean, listen, they are like distant relatives and really yeah. like, like, it's an honor to have them there. Uh, they're just as much being celebrated as Aang, which is a rare thing. Normally, they're very much second fiddle to the Avatar mm -hmm. in all the journeys, uh, but not this one. And uh, aside from Sokka's many uh, things to be grateful for that night, uh, the chief announces that his daughter's of marrying age. Hey oh, hey oh, <laughs> light bulbs going off. Um, yeah, I mean, if he was not smitten before, he definitely. Uh, his smittenness will only increase exponentially over the course of this one, and uh, with good reason. I mean, uh, Yue, she's like some water tribe princess Barbie. I mean, I would uh, unreal, unreal. I, uh, I I gotta say, who? Okay, I know. Maybe we'll talk later about who better for Sokka. But wow, what 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 a high benchmark for a potential mate. Yeah, and and just wonderfully, like again, going back to the film, the one of the only decent aspects of it um, was that they casted the same actress who does the voice for Yue in this show to play her in that live action movie, and so that level of consistency was one of the few things that kept some of the movie from making me, you know, from making my skin crawl. It was one of the few moments where it was like, okay, this is familiar. Yeah. Um, Dude, I got a yeah. just quick side note on the movie. Um, I saw it once when I first watched this season. Yeah. Uh, 10 to 15 years ago. Yeah. And uh, I haven't seen it since. I, I, Same. I, I, Same. I, but I have since like blocked it out. I, and all these details are like, like, oh, there was a UA in that movie? I don't know. Um, I, I think know, uh, right. maybe maybe down the road we will do a... A, a, a hate watch? A hate, a hate watch, watch, indeed. And then we will expel all our hate. But that's a podcast. Yeah. Right? right now we're oh, yeah, totally. in the glory of the... Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. This raging glory of the uh, Southern Water Tribe. And uh, I'm sorry, Northern. And uh, mm. Paku. Okay, we thought the uh, flexing going on just in trapping... Appa and uh, the walls of the city were something to behold. Uh, God damn, Baku. He's like, uh, he's creating a swirling vortex. I mean, uh, all kinds of impressive displays of water bending yeah, here. They, they created a massive water tribe logo mm -hmm. in the air, him and the two students. It was really cool. Insane. Um, but for all his talent, like so many great directors and such, mm-hmm his personal life and his practices it turns out he's a little villainous oh this villainous <laughs> um his villainousness will be a topic of uh we will get to that for sure well that's that's at the end of this uh we find out oh no i'm sorry i apologize we're I gonna just well, it's right around the corner but in the meantime yes. uh all right ang here uh finally finally got his master and it's like yes 
you know, let me just kick it for a few days. Like, like um, <laughs> we just hey, got don't you remember the uh, solstice? Don't you know the, t- the clock is ticking here? Uh, we really got to pick up the pace of anything. I know. I know. It's a little, uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, like, yeah. If you need to relax, then just take some of this food to go and go relax. I know. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Luckily, uh, he doesn't, uh, he's got, he's got his mind right after, after Paku talked sense into him. Uh, elsewhere, interrupting music night on Zuko's ship, Zhao arrives and takes command of Zuko's soldiers dismissing Zuko while inviting Iroh to join him as general, while taunting Zuko over his imminent capture of the Avatar. Zhao notices Zuko's broadswords on the wall, which he immediately recognizes as the weapon used by the blue spirit. When asked about them, Zuko lies about them being antiques, merely for decorative purposes, he said. Zhao asks Iroh if he's heard of the blue spirit, Ira replies that he's heard rumors, <laughs> but doesn't <laughs> think it's real. I don't know why I'd like the Iroh voice best. Um, Zhao assures Iroh that the Blue Spirit is real and that he is a criminal, an enemy of the Fire Nation, expressing the feeling that the Blue Spirit will be brought to justice. He reiterates his offer to Iroh. Uh, Zhao. Now, um, we're, it's incredible what Zhao can do when he uh, is uh, setting his mind to getting things done here. You know, it's funny. It's it's also incredible sometimes what Zuko doesn't do when he's setting his mind to getting things done here. <laughs> I mean, you've just had this whole issue, not issue, but you made the decision. It was a risky endeavor, but it ultimately paid off to go in and break the Avatar out from from captivity by Zhao as, you know, as the Blue Spirit for your own benefit. Knowing that and knowing that Zhao and all these, all these other, you know, everyone under his command are, are aware of the blue spirit and the fact that he uses broadswords, shouldn't you make it a point to do everything in your power to keep that hidden yes. in all aspects? I get that it's your ship and it might even be your quarters, but you don't, you know, your, your own soldiers might, you know, when they're on leave or whatever, see warning posters for the blue spirit and see that he has the broad. It's just, yeah. I, you know, you just got to bases. You wouldn't see Bruce Wayne with a freaking bat belt on his wall, <laughs> on his bookshelf. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I know, but uh, Zuko's no Bruce Wayne. He's more of a joker. All right. That's a uh, nice, nice. Yeah. That's but also, um, He's also a teenager. I know. Again, um, but, well. Anyways, but Iroh should, I mean, Iroh, I'm pretty sure Iroh knows all about the blue spirit. He does. He so does. why wouldn't Iroh be the one to be like, hey, put those away unless he figured well maybe somebody knew about them hanging on here before and yeah. for them to suddenly be disappearing might See, make it look even only, more sketchy uh, i don't know theory I, don't know. I can really go behind that these were on display before this whole show started it's just part of the scenery and or um decoration in his uh design decoration i don't know in his uh yeah. room so for them to not be there would be strange clearly he didn't learn the broadsword and the night he was the blue spirit he has had to have practiced in his spare time throughout so uh yeah maybe good idea to hide them but i understand if they might have just uh been on the wall to begin with or if if you have something that's been hanging on the wall for a long time Mm. and you're contemplating whether or not you should have an alter ego 
<laughs> that uses a weapon. Yeah. Maybe don't use the same weapon that's been on display because it's already going to be associated with you, at least by those who know you. Just so true. I don't know. Although, don't know. dude, I wonder how many people go into his quarters. You know, it might yeah, be just true. a small handful of the uh, ship's crew. I, I still wouldn't risk anything. You know, you can't trust anyone. No, not in this world. Certainly um, at the beginning, he, you know. Can't even trust people not to interrupt music night. I mean, come on. Don't, don't they oh, respect tradition? Oh, uh, music night. I love that there is this tradition on the ship that even a, a Navy or a, a militaristic vessel takes the time for morale, okay, for, for culture and for general uh, mental well-being to have a music night. Uh, I, 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 I can't even get the words out, but like how impressive it is, the backstory and the mythology and the detail put into this expanded universe mm -hmm. by Brian, Mike and the writers and, and, and everyone involved in this show at, at all levels is just, is, is, is meticulous and, and incredible. I mean, you, I get, this is one episode. I don't even think we're 10 minutes into the episode at this point. I dare, it might be like seven or eight. It's, it's and, really and we're seeing like, insane. we're seeing military aspects of both nations. We're seeing the advanced scouts, the, the architecture and detail and, you know, cohesiveness to even just allow entry into a city. We're mm -hmm. seeing the culture. It's celebrated at this party. We're seeing this incredible water bending and all these different styles of it. We're seeing different elements of the culture in terms of what's being fed, the kind of entertainment that's happening, you know, this canal aspect of the city. We're seeing on the Fire Nation end, we're seeing this music night. We're hearing original songs that these guys are creating. I mean, there's so much that, that has been done either ahead of time or, or in the writer's room to, you know, when you go to write these scenes and plan this stuff out, when you have all this figured out, it makes it so easy. 100%. It makes the scenes write themselves because there's so much detail and there's so much to take in and it doesn't feel crowded. That's the most incredible part yeah. at all. They you have know, created four succinct, individual and complete civilizations uh, in their entirety. It, it's, it's beyond impressive. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, I was just going to say again, you know, I've ranted in the past, um, both here on Twitter, everywhere else, how unfortunate it is that there hasn't yet been an Avatar The Last Airbender theme park or, or RPG. I mean, the theme park obviously came to mind when just from watching Omashu and seeing them go down the mail chutes because that would be a great ride. But, you know, you think about how so many theme parks now have, you know, sections of the park or entire parks themselves devoted to franchises. You have Harry Potter world, you know, you have, um, Oh, why am I blanking on all this stuff? You had like they have a star Wars world at Disney star yeah. Wars thing. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, um, <laughs> and you know, you have a theme park here with all the different nations. It's all there for you. I mean, could you imagine a section of a park that's decorated to look just like the Northern water tribe kingdom? It, it would be insane. I, not, do I, uh, I, I can not only picture it, I can imagine this, uh, it's a small world type of boat ride through oh the canals. Oh my God, lazy so, river through the canals, oh, yeah. It would be such an, an incredible experience. And uh, battling, you know, battling Master Poku, uh, Paku would be an amazing ride, you know, virtual simulator or roller coaster. Yeah. But then as an RPG, I'm thinking, you know, as somebody personally who loves RPGs, I've been playing Trials of Mana. I just got the new... Um, 
uh, uh, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Honestly, it's not that good. I know everybody's <laughs> going to hate me for saying that. Um, uh, but this is such a perfect world also for an RPG because you have so many cities and details that you can explore, side quests, places to go collect random items, things like, I mean, the, it's just asking, it's begging for further exploration, either theme park, RPG, something. Ah, make it happen somewhat. If only we owned this intellectual property. Like Nickelodeon, be... <laughs> there's so much money to be made right now. Nickelodeon, like, talk Nickelodeon. to Blizzard, Ubisoft. Gay. One of the few industries that's thriving during the COVID-19 pandemic. It's so true, so true. All right, one last note. Um, I mean, you mentioned in great detail just the incredible attention to detail uh, of, of both cultures going on at the same time. Um, we obviously hear music during music night on the ship. And we get to contrast that to the music we heard at the celebration of their arrival. Like now we're hearing distinct styles and uh, elements that reflect the culture and the elements that they bend. It's just mm. such a incredible, incredible use of, uh, of sound. It, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, yeah. But uh, we got lots of unbelievable stuff to get to. As Katara and Aang approach the palace the next morning, Katara expresses her joy. Finally, she's going to be able to learn from a real master. She's waited her whole life for this day. Aang introduces Katara to Master Paku as the friend he spoke of. And they're shocked to learn that Paku misunderstood Aang, assuming his friend was a boy. The Northern Water Tribe prohibits teaching women waterbending. When Katara protests, saying that there must be other women in the tribe who can waterbend, Paku states the women will learn to heal with their abilities and advises her to go to the healing huts and learn from Yagoda. Angry, Aang refuses to learn from the master, but Katara urges him to stay, deciding that Aang should not risk his training for her. Aang reluctantly begins to learn from Master Paku. Sokka, in the meantime, catches up with Yue in the city and makes plans to meet her on a bridge above the canal that night, literally falling for her as he does. Oh man, this... Let's just do uh, soccer real quick. I mean, he is smitten AF. There is no... Uh, uh, oh, yeah. This is a teenage crush love to the max and uh, with good reason. Oh, again, just so many meat cutes. <laughs> yes, indeed. But uh, all right, far more important from this chunk of story is the uh, Paku and Katara. Why? Why do they forbid women from waterbending? What is the... What? happened a thousand years ago in the bronze age of the water tribe to create some backwards uh tradition this is really just a bunch of cultural traditional nonsense yes <laughs> oh yeah yeah um i was very uh all right i mean i do like the character of paku he clearly uh knows his things he's, he's a master to say the least um, he reminded me very much of the master in Kill Bill, Pai Wei, with mm -hmm. uh, just the intensity and, and the, you know, brutality is a strong word because it's a children's show and they didn't really, but uh, no, dude, this guy would have smacked Dan, beat him with a cane every time he messed up a, a bet. There's no, oh, yeah. uh, no, no nonsense. Yeah. No nonsense. He doesn't mess around. And uh, man, okay. It's just so patronizing. It's, it's, it's really sad to see, you know, we personally know how strong and impressive Katara is, but this, you know, for everything that's great with this tribe and, and all the bragging we've done about it so far and admiration, mm -hmm. this is a huge chink in the armor. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's just a great parallel to a lot of unfortunate um, cult, you know, traditions that that occur all over the world in real life, mm-hmm. and still do. That Very make much. no sense, completely backwards. Um, and it's just because some rules were created by misogynists way back when, and since that happened a long time ago, and nobody's bothered to do anything about it, it's now become a custom or a tradition, and and suddenly it's 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 wrong to repeal because it, it goes against your culture. Like no, this this rule goes against you know like your culture is wrong um, in this aspect, and, and and it's just really sad that they can use you know the, the way that things like traditions get used to excuse awfulness. It's also uh, important to note that this is an isolated culture. They're not getting any influence from anywhere outside the ice wall. So uh, mm-hmm. it, it doesn't even, uh, like they can't even imagine that something is wrong or, or could True. possibly be wrong. Cause it's a yeah, hundred years of, uh, you know, life being this way. And uh, I mean, yeah, you got to wonder, I do, uh, you know, I do give them some credit for uh, teaching young female benders the uh, healing arts of water that's definitely something that's incredibly valuable as well yes uh I don't, I, I don't see why both can't learn both uh but I know. Uh, but okay it, it's not like uh katara is literally just gonna have to sit on the sidelines here she does get some some training uh to which mm-hmm. uh yeah i'm glad she does uh reluctantly katara goes to her healing classes filled with girls much younger than herself, and taught by an old woman named Yagoda, while Aang learns waterbending from Master Paku. He becomes frustrated when Paku criticizes his technique and mockingly says that this move may be too advanced, suggesting that Aang should try an easier one. After her healing class, Katara asks Yagoda for her time, and the teacher notices Katara's betrothal necklace, asks her who she's marrying. Katara tells her she's not ready for marriage, and the necklace was passed from her grandmother to her through her mother. Yagoda states she recognizes the carving and tells Katara she's the spitting image of Kana, Katara's grand-grand, revealing that Kana was her old friend. Much to the surprise of Katara, Yagoda also states that Kana was born in the Northern Water Tribe, going on to tell her that Kana had, arranged, had an arranged marriage with a young waterbender, but mysteriously left the Northern Water Tribe without saying goodbye. Oof, wow! But, uh, yeah, finally some some familial some some uh, ancestry dot com twenty three and me happening. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's crazy. Um, first of all, it's just so patronizing and insulting for Katara after everything she's done, all the experiences she's had, all that she's seen, and you know, to then be relegated to a pre like some preschool class mm-hmm. learning to heal with a bunch of like young little toddlers. It looks like, you yeah. know, obviously they don't know any better, but I can't imagine what that must've like, what an insult that must've been to Katara and for her to still be as composed as she was is very, very impressive and polite. Um, and that revelation must've been wild. I mean, it's, it's not exactly Leslie Nope finding out she was from Eagleton, but it's uh, uh, pretty yeah. wild. Yeah. It's more, uh, I mean, dude, it's it's learning. 
that you were, you know, not royalty, but certainly of this uh, one or two steps away, kind of, uh, to be the head bending masters, you know, for all we know, Katara could have been uh, Paku's great granddaughter, <laughs> or granddaughter. Yeah. 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 A different it's, Katara would have been then. Yeah. Meanwhile, Aang is uh, not off to a good start with Paku here. Uh, no. All right, Aang, playtime's over. I really, uh, not everyone's going to teach you like Yatsu. You got to yeah. You gotta really uh, widen your mind here. Uh, I mean, dude, what, uh, why, I don't know, I don't want to say cocky, but Aang, for someone who's eager to learn, is equally, if not more eager, to flex how much he knows. Uh, you know, yeah. like, the best students know when to just be quiet and uh, listen. Well, uh, I mean, honestly, I've been critical of Gyatso in the past, and mm, so true. He thought I was being harsh, but <laughs> yes, I look, did. He coddled Aang. Yes, he's he did. A guy. He's a sweet uh, guy, and he's a very powerful airbender. But he coddled Aang, and he did him a huge disservice. Yeah. And I don't care how old he was; he knew what was going on in the world. There was attacks before that war was declared, um, while Avatar Roku was still alive. Yeah. I mean. You got to understand this stuff and not, he, you, he didn't, he did just as much harm as he did good with Aang because he wouldn't, he didn't give him any sense of urgency or, or, you know, weight of the importance of what was going on. Absolutely, dude. Um, but yeah, dude, there's clearly so much important things going on throughout this whole world, especially up uh, in the Northern area. We got Zhao, meanwhile, He's contacted the group of pirates who previously encountered Zuko and Aang, offering to pay gold to, for their services, stating only, I believe you're acquainted with Prince Zuko. Uh, when Iroh informs Zuko that the crew wishes him a safe journey, Zuko bitterly reveals his disappointment that they left saying good riddance to those traitors. Uh, Iroh invites him for a nightly stroll to clear his head, but Zuko remains sulking in his room. While Iroh's out walking, the assassination plan is put into action by the pirates who plant explosives in Zuko's ship. Zuko hears something and while investigating the ship sees the pirate's iguana parrot outside a window. Recognizing it as the lit fuse reaches the explosives. In the split second that the flames rush at Zuko, he puts on a fire shield that barely saves his life. Iroh hearing the explosion and seeing the flames rushes back to the docks to see the smoldering remains of his nephew's ship. Okay, Zhao, uh, you're not, you're not, you know, we know you don't mess around, but you also don't have to uh, kill Zuko here. Um, yeah, he is the prince, even if he's banished. Um, I'm just thinking about this, knowing what we know about Uncle Iroh and his past and what he's had to endure not knowing if if Zuko made it or not when he saw that was just such a tragic moment when he yeah. drops to his knees. Um, yeah. And uh, one of my favorite lines of the show, just because of the way it sounds, is, uh, careful with the blasting jelly. Yeah. <laughs> For some reason, I just, anytime I hear anything about jelly, blasting jelly. jelly. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, we clearly know the explosive power of blasting jelly from uh, the jet episode. Uh -huh. uh, so it's definitely, uh, I mean, a powerful explosive. And uh, 
boy, did they have a lot. Like, this, sh- this ship really exploded hard. Like, uh, it's uh, no non-bender could have survived that. Yeah. Uh, and, and Uncle tried to warn him, or not warn him, but he tried to just get him outside anyway. Yeah. Instead of sulking. So, so true. Anyways. Um, I like that it's the iguana pirate that sets them off. Yeah. There was something, uh, yeah, you That's hire true. a pirate to do a job, don't be uh, surprised if a little pirate uh, bird comes and uh, startles you for a minute there. Yeah. Yes, yes, indeed. Elsewhere, Sokka meets with Princess Yue on the bridge. He presents her with a carved fish, which she mistakes for a bear. Suddenly, I know, right? Sokka, you, you could have just given her some trinket from your travels, but uh, okay. Suddenly, uh, Yue tells Sokka that she made a mistake inviting him there and runs away, leaving Sokka devastated and confused as he throws his carving into the water. Later, when the gang meets in the living quarters, uh, they're all unhappy with their situations, and Sokka suggests that at night, Aang teach Katara everything he learned from Paku during the day. She subsequently states that Sokka's idea would make everyone happy, to which he remarks that he's still displeased. Katara dismisses this by saying that Sokka's never happy and rushes outside with Aang to begin practicing. Okay. And meanwhile, Aang secretly teaches Katara a move he'd learned. Uh, they've caught by a move he's learned that was taught by Master Paku, who catches them and is angered as Aang disrespected their orders, his orders, his teachings, and his entire culture. Aang hastily apologizes, but Master Paku declares that he will not teach Aang anymore, stating that he is no longer welcome as a student before swiftly walking away. The next day at the palace, Arnook suggests that if Katara swallows her pride and apologizes, Paku might continue to train Aang. Katara, angered by the pompous condescension, instead challenges Paku to a fight, stating that she'll be outside if he's man enough to face her. All right. Meet him outside. Meet him outside. Meet him. Meet him outside. Yeah. <laughs> don't call me son. Okay. Uh, <laughs> don't uh, don't underestimate Katara. Yeah. So um, okay. It, it, it seems like a nice. Uh, well, hey, you know, say it's the top here. I mean, Sokka yeah. meets uh, Yue on this bridge. All right. They they they're finally alone. They're on their uh, activity, if you will, and uh, she uh, runs away. I mean, what? Uh, we'll get more explanation later, but surely she could have given Sokka a little more really, of a moment. Yeah. Really hot and cold, huh? Yeah. It's uh, uh, strange of her to uh, do that. She's clearly interested, but uh, other things prevent her from uh, moving forward. Uh, I, dude, and also the comedicness of uh, you know, the three of them. It's like, uh, I'm unhappy. I'm unhappy. Oh, you two uh-huh. make each other happy. Great. Oh, wait, I'm not happy. <laughs> yeah, when did Sokka start warrior training? Ah, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> right, yeah, he's got... I didn't hear that. He's not, uh, you don't have that much free time either. It's really, no. uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I just love that, that, you know, they had all these folks um, in this council, and they just assumed that Katara would just, you know, get scared of them and, and, and be completely intimidated and say, you're right, I'm so sorry. So sorry for having my own, you know, independent free yeah. thought. Um, what happens when your uh, culture is isolated and you don't, uh, <laughs> you don't have any other perspective in the world? Yeah, it's uh, it's awesome that 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 she's just is like, nope. You know what? 
man enough to fight me, I'll be outside. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, this fight we'll have to talk more about later. Uh, oh, yeah. Because, wow, was that some awesome bending that we saw. Uh, real quick, uh, Fire Nation camp over a cup of tea. Iroh tells Zhao of the attack on Zuko. Zhao is devastated by the news and smiles slyly when he hears that no trace of the attack was linked back to him. Iroh takes Admiral Zhao's offer of serving under him as general of the fleet. All right, so uh, Zhao thinks he's safe. Iroh's on board with him. And uh, I, I don't know Zhao. if this happens later, but I think Iroh even mentions he heard it was pirates. So uh, yeah. Zhao really, really feels assured in his uh, plot here. Yeah, and that, that was the no trace link back to him. Yeah. Um, because it was linked to pirates, but uh, just Zhao's blatant, air, you know, cockiness to to sit with Uncle Iroh like that when he was the one behind it is just, you know, just when you think Zhao is a little more cool and calculated, and and quasi respectful, yeah, it reminds you that he's some not bipolar <laughs> sociopath or so. I mean, yeah, yeah. he's really uh, he's just a bad guy. We got other bad guys here, also Master Paku simply strolls past Katara outside, further angering her with patronizing comments. Katara forms a water whip and slaps Master Paku on the back of the head, which gets him to agree to the fight. The fight begins, and Katara proves to be much more skilled in waterbending than previously known. She demonstrates powerful techniques and advanced forms. Master Paku grins and smirks as he attacks, but starts to realize Katara's talent after barely dodging an ice disc launched by her. After a few moments of violent waterbending, Katara gains the upper hand as she topples ice obelisks over Master Paku, who disappears in a cloud of mist. However, Master Paku quickly emerges and performs a waterbending move that renders Katara helpless, and she is beaten. Her grandmother's necklace, which fell off during the fight, is picked up by Paku, and he reveals that he made it for Kana 60 years ago. Holy smokes. Uh, that's a, I didn't see that one coming. <laughs> oh my God. I mean, okay, we'll, we'll get to that. But this freaking fight. Unbelievable. Holy uh, cow. Due to, due to the intensity of the music and the pace, this is something oh. uh, like, you know, Crouch and Tiger, Hidden Dragon, just incredible. Uh, Easily the best. And details. Uh, we mentioned that uh, Katara threw some ice discs at him. I mean, dude, just taking like, I don't know, like a tree trunk of ice and just slicing like razor thin blades of ice at high speeds. She's, um, she's using techniques that most people don't know until they invent them themselves as masters. Like this is just, she's thinking on her feet in this moment. And again, I think you see, her parents' genes in her. You know, Sokka has this great military strategy and Katara's been mostly kind of, you know, maternal and protective. But in these moments, she's got the strategy too. She's all, she's her father's daughter just as much as Sokka's his father's son. And uh, it's, it's unbelievable that, that move of the, with that like ice plateau making those like discs. Dude, it, he uh, he had to Paku had to dodge that like the Matrix, like it was oh, slow it was motion in the middle of this incredibly frenetic and violent action sequence. Uh, well, and she was she was you know he was throwing water at her and she was throwing water back at him while also dismember like disassembling uh, I guess you call it 
the ice that he's throwing at, you know, like she's doing both at the same time, like killing off his attack while attacking him simultaneously. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievably impressive. And, uh, oh, one question though, at the very end, and, and this is one that I just don't know. When he has her in that ice prison, I mean, is he just using a lot of his strength and she can't overpower it? Because I feel like that's something like capturing a waterbender in an ice prison yeah. is just, it's, it's, it's like trying to hurt Put an earthbender earth by throwing a rock. Putting him like, in an earth prison. Like, yeah. You know, it's, it's, I, I, but I, I don't know. Because once he finds the necklace, the thing, you know, right. she, she gets out of it. So I'm guessing he's just using all his strength to keep it. I, I think that so. whole thing is so cool. And he, even her, uh, he, he must be. And then clearly Katara's fighting back, but uh, the intensity of the bending and the thickness of the ice is too much for this young master to be. Uh, mm-hmm. But wow, does everything change when uh, Kana's necklace is discovered. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll talk more about that in one minute because first we got to go back to Zhao's ships. On one of Zhao's ships, General Iroh walks past a Fire Nation soldier, mentions quietly that their plan is working perfectly, and Zhao does not suspect a thing. The soldiers take off, the soldier takes off his faceplate to reveal an injured Prince Zuko, who thanks his uncle for his help and returns the faceplate Iroh, uh, and returns the faceplate to his uh, face. Iroh tells him to stay hidden until they reach the North Pole, as there he will have a chance of capturing the Avatar before Zhao does. Wishing his nephew luck, they continue on. All right, so uh, I've watched and rewatched uh, this episode. At mm-hmm. what point do you think this uh, plan that's working perfectly begins? Uh, do you think when Iroh or ja- uh, Zuko is sulking in his bedroom and Iroh's saying, hey, let's go for a walk, has this plan already been, uh, you know, planned? <laughs> um, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, there was always some semblance of a plan to try to get to, you know, Aang before him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, obviously, they didn't know about the assassination attempt. Sure. Um, so I think that once he, you know, once Zuko revealed himself to still be alive, um, I think that happened before Iroh is seen drinking tea with Zhao and agreeing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also kind of want to apologize again. I, I don't know what's up with the last few episodes on the Avatar wiki, but this is meant to be a reveal that he's still alive and it's a little annoying and I wish I'd corrected it. You know, he might've tried to put up a fire shield, but like, we're not sure that he survived the blast when it happened. Absolutely. I don't know why that was written in the synopsis, yeah. um, but that's definitely not the case. Nobody knows. It's supposed to be like, oh my God, the ship blew up. What the hell happened? Mm-hmm. Um, I really hope that he saw that thing in time. Um, yeah. So again, sorry, and, and I need to do a nah. little better job making sure it's not spoilerific. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's great that this is uh, that they're alive, that 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 he's alive, and, and this plan is working. I think that Zuko maybe needs to get some some uh, some blush or some makeup. Right, totally uh, see yeah. under one of his eyes that scar on the eyelid, but whatever. Yeah, I think uh, dark. Rouge mascara. I don't know what the. <laughs> he needs a little something to cover a up. A little, little cover up. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere, Master Paku tells Katara that her grandmother was arranged to marry him 60 years ago, but left for the South Pole before they could. 
Katara understands that her grandmother refused to let the tribe's customs rule her, and the revelation makes Princess Yue, standing nearby, burst into tears and run away. Sokka follows her and finds her on the bridge where they had met earlier. Yue weeps softly while Sokka tells her he wants nothing but to tell her that she's beautiful and that he never would have thought she would even notice a guy like him. Yue expresses that he does not understand, but Sokka believes he does. She is a princess and he is just a so southern water tribe peasant. He turns to leave, but Yue kisses him, making Sokka happy but extremely confused. Yue explains that she has fallen for Sokka, but they cannot be together, and not for the reason Sokka thinks. She sadly pulls down the furs about her neck to reveal a betrothal necklace, confessing that she is, in fact, engaged. Yeah. She apologizes and leaves Sokka alone on the bridge. Oh, Sokka. Oh, Sokka. It's so tragic. He's such a great guy. Mm-hmm. But also... This, you know, I talked briefly about this before the episode, especially this line and him considering, you know, you're a princess, I'm a peasant. Mm -hmm. All I could think of was, oh my God, I want to see an Aladdin where mm -hmm. Sokka's Aladdin, Princess Yue is Jasmine, Momo is Apu, Raja is Appa, I guess Aang could be the genie. And sadly, that's also when you and I realized that aside from a few singing women in an early song in the movie, Princess Jasmine might actually be the only woman. In yeah. The film. Yeah. It's, uh, I haven't seen the remake. I heard that that's not the case, but. Yeah, whatever. Anyway. Not, don't count. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, truly. Um, and, all and right. But how about this story? Yeah. Freaking uh, Paku could have was like this close to being Katara's granddad. Uh, it's uh, incredible. And would, if that was the case, would Sokka have been. You know, would, would, would Katara's story have been the same? Would she have had her brother, Sokka? Would they have been searching and found Aang in the not. ice? I mean, yeah. these are all important things. 100%. That Without, uh, sorry to interrupt. Without Kana leaving the Northern Water Tribe, um, there's nothing. The boy is still in the iceberg. Um, there is no discovery of the Avatar. He is frozen in an air bubble iceberg for... God knows. knows how much a hundred years, it could easily be a hundred more. And uh, okay, it is in fact this uh, incredible, courageous act to uh, stand up against the injustices in her culture that uh, sets in forth many of the events that without, uh, you know, we would not have this uh, entire journey without. No, it's, it's, it's cool. It's very yeah. impressive and it's, and it's good to see a payoff of somebody at one point in her life doing the absolute right thing despite the risk it posed. And while it didn't happen for many, many decades, however long, the payoff is pretty huge that she's one of the, one of those who helped orchestrate the world being saved. Indeed. Um, Hopefully. We have this like, you know, incredible tale of uh, standing up what's for what's right from Kana and uh, 60 years later, they, these cultural norms are still entrenched. They, Paku lost the love of his life, and he still can't uh, open up his mind a little to uh, training a woman. It's uh, Well, I'm glad uh, that's not going to last much longer. <laughs> it is funny, though, because earlier, the healer, as soon as she saw the necklace and recognized it and looked at Katara, says, I can't believe I didn't recognize it earlier. You're the spitting image. 
you know, if this was the love of his life, it's weird that Paku didn't see any of her, or unless, you know, maybe he was just so heartbroken that he tried to push her away and refuses to acknowledge it, but yeah. certainly recognize the necklace. Oh, it's, um, uh, it's one of a kind. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, and you know who else has a necklace? Yue. Oh, Sokka. Yes. Yes. Oh, Sokka can't win. Yeah. Either she's a, a soldier who can't leave her people, um, or I mean a Kyoshi warrior that can't leave her people, or a princess that's already engaged. Sokka just can't find someone for him for himself. It's too bad. He's such a good dude. Yeah. Um, and he says, and you know, believes it's because he's a peasant. He's not royalty. Mm -hmm. yeah. Um, you know, but like he is a prince of sorts. Like that's not just an empty statement. He. Uh, like, I understand there's no monarchy. In the well, sun. you're right. He is, I guess he'd be the patriarch of the... Yeah, and, and dude, he, he is very much the... Uh, he's a child, but he's the only... He's kind of the only fatherly figure that this village will have in a, a very unless short the soldiers, Unless the soldiers return. Sure. Oh, while they're away, yes. Yeah. I guess Sokka's away too, so maybe... I don't know. The... The boy that needed to pee is now the father of the <laughs> southern now water the leader. Yeah. Oh, that's funny. Listen, um, I'm glad for all we know, for all we know. But uh, I'd watch that. I, yeah, right. Oh my god, expand this universe is what we're trying to say. Um, but yeah, Sokka can't catch a break. The next morning, Aang practices a form of water bending uh, with the master, and the latter sarcastically remarks about Aang's ability. Katara subsequently shows up and Paku berates her for being late. He's now agreed to train her as the student as well. Yay! Yay. Um, meanwhile, Admiral Zhao's enormous invasion fleet has mobilized and set a course for the Northern Water Tribe. What? That's the end of the episode! This is the um, ultimate cliffhanger that's not a two-parter. I mean, there's just so much. The enemy's at the gate. Uh, the uh, the bending is finally happening. It's uh, really just setting up an incredible, incredible finale for us. I mean, it, yeah, it, it's great how laid back uh, Paku has suddenly become, and all it took was a good old fashioned ass whooping. Yeah, uh, an ass whooping, and uh, oh hey, you lost the love of your life. By the way, uh, yeah, dicketry. <laughs> I'm the granddaughter that could have been you, uh, angry old man. Yeah. Um, <laughs> And uh, oh, that's that's a that's a scary looking army that's that's Oof. ready to go. Yeah. Um. Let's 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 remind everyone. Okay, Admiral Zhao. He's been promoted. Promoted. He's already had uh, all the military at his uh, or navy at his uh, disposal, and now he's taken over Zuko's crew as well. Uh, he is just armed to the teeth. All right. This is uh, oh, I don't know. Um. This is like when the, I mean, this is an obscure reference, but I, I know it well, like when the British showed up to uh, New York, which was New Amsterdam at the time, um, the fleet was just so ginormous that uh, they didn't even fire a bullet. Like, like it, it was just something that uh, the logical thing in many cases is to surrender. Uh, it's not always fight till the last man. Uh, it's, uh, no, an impressive, impressive feat. Uh, Truly, there are some Fire Nation kind of, uh, you know, forces everywhere that are kind of keeping the rule. But uh, 
every like non-stationed firebending Navy member is here. Uh, you know, it, it was something that was touched on briefly earlier, but, but, you know, about the pirates and moving around and, and uh, you know, you wonder how much time is passing between like meetings and commands being given and then the arrival of these ships and the pirates and are they kind of independently doing things or are they just able to get there that quickly or is their navy that big that they can just take a huge you know amass a huge invasion force in in a short period of time you know obviously i think those those pirates i think they were they were independently after zuko and the avatar mm -hmm. because i feel like they probably hold grudges um, don't like being stolen from. There's a fat reward out there. Let's not forget. A it. huge reward for him, and they were stolen from. You know, there's not. They don't. They don't let that kind of stuff. You know, they basically got pirated. <laughs> so, um, you know, they're all doing things independently, and and it just worked out well. And I yeah, I think they probably knew that they had a common enemy, and maybe you know were intentionally within a close proximity to Zhao so they could make that deal. Yeah. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you, know, you were talking about impressive before. What's really impressive, this episode had so much going on. I mean, if you think about the different topics, you know, the, the different, there was like, it's usually A, B, and maybe a C story. There was an A, a B, a C, a D, and e. I mean, you had them arriving at the North Pole and, and being welcomed in. Aang and Katara and Master Paku, Sokka and Yue, Zuko and Iroh, Zuko and Zhao, mm -hmm. Zhao and the pirates. I, Zhao I mean, it's and just like, the attack he's launching. <laughs> well, that's, yeah and, yeah, and and the fire, well, that's, that's a lot with, you're right, like Iroh and Zhao, but yes, this whole, you know, this other plot of them invading the Northern Water Tribe, it's just, it's unbelievable. Yo, the, the minute episode. The double betrothals necklace of uh, Katara learning that Kana's passed. Or yeah. Yue uh, revealing that she's betrothed, and like we are just scratching the surface. Yeah. And it's and it's and it's not even. You're right. It's not even just cursory like exposition scenes where we're getting all this out, which you'd think would be necessary for that much stuff. It's it's a lot of showing and not okay. telling of just seeing the cultures and seeing these you know, elaborate festivities. And um, it's just so good. And it's one episode. You know, yeah. it's, 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 you feel like they've been there for, for half the season, given how much has happened in 22 minutes. Absolutely insane. Um, my God, that wraps up this incredible, incredibly detailed and well-constructed episode. Uh, uh, my God, Jeff, what a... I know. It. What, 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 what an episode, what a series of events we have coming up in just a short, uh, short moment here. Uh, my God, I th final thoughts, anything we might've missed or? Um, not missed, but yeah. you know, like all these, you know, finales of sorts and, and, and leads to the end of this, of, of books, as good as this episode is, the ones coming up are even better. I know. It's just, un it, it's unbelievable. It's hard to fathom, but you know, it's, it's funny. You watch, avatar with people and and when you're trying to get them into it sometimes they might think to themselves well this is really cool but it's a little slow and you think just get just keep going because from here on objectively incredible you know from here on out these episodes just one after the next are are really really well done especially the book one finale um which is a two-parter and it mm -hmm. is i i can't wait 
I'm with you, dude. Um, I mean, okay. The small and big small, just like the, uh, I mean, these, uh, you mentioned it, the, 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 uh, Katara, the, uh, the ice trap that Katara was in by Paku. Um, I think we are going to see Katara use later on in a future episode. Uh, so I was like, she's already like, she's a natural learner. She's incredibly gifted and uh, she knows her value. So for her to stand up to the bigotry of uh, this insulated tribe that is, uh, you know, just like uh, uh, by, you know, it, because they had to survive, they had to hide their culture and not uh, mix with any outsiders. It's certainly uh, in incredible. And uh, another uh, testament to the show that they can deal with uh, just incredibly powerful themes such as bigotry and then bring it into a, a child's uh, child. I mean, dude, it's, it's insulting to, it's, to, to think children can't get this when you have shows like this doing it so masterfully. I know it's, 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 it's really, they're showing systemic misogyny. It's, it's just generations of enabled sexism. Um, mm -hmm. And it's take, and, and it just takes really brave women to stand up for what's right and, you know, give this guy a swift water whip to the back of the head, man. Yeah. <laughs> and shake some sense into him. By the way, that's another cool thing. Back-to-back -back episodes. Last time we saw Aang, you know, smacking someone in the face with air. Yeah. And here we see Katara smacking someone in the back of the head with water. I'm, I'm digging our heroes little, uh, you know, don't mess with them. Yeah. They'll, they'll give you a good smacking. I challenge you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, gloves off. Um, I thought it was very interesting that, okay, um, Aang struggling to pick up water bending. I, I know that, like, we've scratched the surface with this training, but uh, mm -hmm. he has not uh, mastered much yet. He, he's come all this way and has... Uh, well, yeah. you know, he, he was a little sarcastic about it, but Aang's picking things up here and there. I think it's more because... You know, before he was learning from Katara. So compared to Katara, Aang was picking it up really quickly. But here he's learning from a master. And while we see that Katara is well on her way to, to eventually likely becoming one herself, you know, there's that difference. So Aang, I think, is feeling a little more nervous about it. Um, and we also see that he doesn't have the same teaching style that Katara does or that Gyatso did. And we, we will learn later on Aang doesn't respond right away to more harsh criticism. And this could be a reason why Aang seems to be struggling a little bit more. Yeah. Um, so if, uh, am I correct that there are only two water tribes that uh, it's either the North or the South? Uh, I don't, I, I think, but that's the one thing about the show that it doesn't really delve that much because mm -hmm. we spend so much more time in On the, the Earth and Fire Nation. Yeah. Um, because here's what, what I'm thinking. If in the North they have this uh, ancient customary norm of forbidding women to learn waterbending, uh, wasn't there at some point a female avatar in the past that had to have learned waterbending from somewhere? Like, uh, I, I, I don't know all the avatars in the cycle, but... Uh, well, we also don't know how ancient... I mean, ancient is relative. Right. So this could be a custom that's been the case for a few hundred, hundred years. years. Yeah. yeah. But 
in terms of the avatar cycle, that's a blink of an eye. Oh my God. So screw these gender roles. That's, that's, Amen. that's the main takeaway. Well, I mean, a very important takeaway from this episode. Yes. Um, yes. Because, uh, that wraps up another episode of the Boys in the Iceberg. Oh my God, we've yeah. been finale. This has been a incredible journey, guys. Thank you for tuning in. Please like, subscribe, tweet, you know, internet stuff, uh, comment. We uh, will get back at you. We love to chat. <laughs> we, we just spent an hour talking about 20 minutes here. Um, love it. All right, Jeff, it's been a pleasure with you. Thank you Amen. for listening, listeners. Uh, have a good night. What a tribe. <laughs>